Hey guys, welcome back to another weekly episode of the Scrubbed In Podcast. We've got another super special guest today. Um, I'll introduce you to her. Her name is Tafima. She's a HIV virologist at UCL. And before I start getting things wrong, I'm just going to give it to her and she'll introduce herself and what she actually does because I think it's far too complicated for me and Amsterdam to understand. Tafima, over to you. Hi everyone, my name is Tafima and I am a HIV virologist, which means I'm a scientist um, working in academia. I'm currently doing a PhD and I'm in my final few months, so it's a really exciting time for me, but also very stressful. Good. And so this PhD is like unknown, it's a world of mystery. All I know is, well, I'm a bit biased because I've worked with postgrads. Um, how do you end up doing a PhD what's the route for someone to do a PhD is it something that you can walk into after college or how does it work no so a PhD is basically the highest form of education that Mm. you can get it's the highest qualification I think you can get um, unless you're a doctor Mm. which means you have a lot more specialization to do and um, no you can definitely not just walk into it unfortunately and I'll be honest a PhD was never ever part Mm. of my plan I was never thinking about a PhD um, and that's partly because I never thought I would be good enough to do a PhD but essentially my story of how I got to where I am today is I did my undergrad degree at Queen Mary in biomedical sciences Mm. and then um, I was actually going to apply for medicine Mm -hmm. but um, I decided not to because I really didn't enjoy the lectures that we had with the medics because it was Mm. a lot of rote learning. Whereas I'm the kind of person who likes to answer questions, find answers, and to be able to do that myself with my own skills as a scientist, I find that really rewarding. So I really Mm. like that. So yeah, eventually I just decided not to apply for medicine. I was one of the only people in my cohort who didn't. Mm. um, And I actually got asked by my tutor, you know, why are you not applying? As if I'm Mm. doing something wrong. (laughs) But even, you know, my tutor was a scientist herself. So she didn't ever wonder, she she never thought that I would want to be a scientist Mm -hmm. that for some reason she never thought that that never occurred to her um so yeah after I did my undergraduate degrees I thought I really enjoyed infection and learning about different infections so I decided to do a master's and that's when I came to UCL Mm. um I did a research project which I really enjoyed at UCL and then um after that research project was over and I got my grades I started applying for jobs Mm. And then suddenly I got an email from our department saying that my current supervisor is looking for me mm-hmm. and um, she didn't realise I had left. So she emailed me. Um, I contacted her after her email and then it turns out she wanted to offer me a PhD. Mm. Um, so I asked her, how do you know about me? Mm. You know, How did you find mm-hmm. out? And essentially she was in the audience when I was presenting my master's project. And that's when it all started. So was... Your master's project's on HIV as well? Yeah, it was okay. on HIV. Mm. Um, I just ended up in that lab, I think. Okay. It, it's quite, I don't know if I should be saying this on air, but I am going to anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, I think in our department, it's um, quite common for them to hear what the students want to do, mm. but then to also bear in mind their grades and put they, they're put in um, the better labs. Those who yeah. are achieving better are putting oh, the okay. better okay. labs in quotes. Quote no, th- that's important. If I recall c- uh, correctly, he was breaking things left, right, and centre oh. in the lab. So yes, no, absolutely. So my VSC, he would be in the worst labs. So what I, I did, yeah, it's good. I like being with a scientist because then I can air my frustration. Yes, go for it. 
<laughs> I remember. So what? So my BSc was on like um, half was on regen med and innovation tech. So I was working on biomaterials, right? And it's like injecting it into the cartilage to create a scaffold for stem cells to rejuvenate into cartilage. It all sounds really fancy. It was a pain, my God. <laughs> um, so what happened was acetone. You know what acetone is, yes. right? In the fume cupboard. So what I did is you jump all the way with the acetone and I filled it to the brim and I used to close the lid really sh tightly shut. So I don't know if it expands or whatever. And every morning for like a week, it just blew up in the fume cupboard and it was all over the floor. And I used to come in, I used to make a scene. I used to be like, <laughs> all these postgrads, they're causing a scene, you know, like they're disturbing my workflow and I'm, <laughs> and I'm telling the oh, technician okay. and I'm having a proper rant. Then I realized and he's like, bro, it's you, you're the guy, you're, you know, you're filling it up, you're your brain expands everything. and it breaks. But, um, it's fun. Working in a lab is fun. I think the difficulty is not much people have an insight. Um, and like you said, the, the, there's two ways I, what I've gathered is you can get hand selected so you can be approached to do a PhD based on your merit. Um, at the same time, can you apply to do a PhD? Yeah. How does it work? Because yeah. you didn't intend to do a PhD, right? Yeah. You were you handpicked. Hmm. So how does that work? Yeah, so generally the most common method to getting onto a PhD is to actually apply. So you go online, there's mm. a website called findaphd.com. Mm. Uh, you go on there and um, throughout the year, there'll be different PhDs being advertised because at different points of the year, different labs get funding mm -hmm. and then they decide they're gonna take on a PhD right. student. Um, another method, um, if you're super keen, then you can go around emailing different labs and find out if um, they're ready to have a chat with you. If they mm. do, then you can express your interest. And if they have funding, then a lot of the time they say, yeah, come join. If not, then they'll redirect you. So it's quite good in the sense that it's not limited to a certain time of year, like a normal conventional degree, right? No. So it's throughout the year um, and you can be proactive. Mm -hmm. In terms of like specialising, so as a scientist, the, you guys can kind of go into something that you're super enjoy super keen about mm -hmm. and specialize was medics you're kind of limited um why hiv what kind of triggers you to do that what do you enjoy about it um yeah so um this one's quite a difficult question for me because like i said i was offered the phd mm. so essentially i didn't think too much about the project before mm. i said yes mm. um i said yes because everyone said it was a really good opportunity and mm. I'm going to be at UCL. So I thought, okay, you know what, let's not waste it. Mm. Um, if in the future I decide to do a PhD, then I'm going to have to go through the whole long process yeah. and I don't want to do that. Um, and the reason why I chose HIV is because I do know it's a global health problem. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I think it's important that we carry on working on it. But more importantly, and this is going to sound quite selfish, but mm. I actually really enjoyed learning the molecular details of how HIV interacts with the immune system. Mm. Um, and so when my current supervisor told me about the project and how it's going to be about HIV and the immune system and the interaction between these proteins, um, I just said, I said, I'll go for it. Mm. So I good. think it's that. Just now with the PhD, right? Because you've now sat, you've gone through, you've got a bachelor's, mm -hmm. you've got a master's, mm -hmm. and you've got a PhD. Mm -hmm. What are what, what's the differences between between them? What what are the differences? There, there's a massive difference at each step. Mm -hmm. I think when you're doing a bachelor's, you you're a kid and you're being spoon fed a lot. Mm -hmm. That that is a hundred percent true. <laughs> Sounds like medicine. Um, which is a bachelor's though, isn't yeah, it? True. You're kind of undergrad, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. it? So yeah, so that's what bachelor's is about. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the purpose of a bachelor's degree is to um, allow you to explore mm. all the different things within one subject. Yep. 
Then you go on to do a master's and it becomes a little bit more specialised. So mm-hmm. then at this point you pick one of those topics within that massive subject mm-hmm. and you learn about it further. But then when you move on to do a PhD, it's less about learning and more about discovering. Mm. So doing a PhD means you are discovering something which no one else in the world has ever discovered before. That's okay. crazy. Let, so, so there's a crucial distinction between the two, isn't it? Then ba- the bachelor's and the master's are sort of, you could say their education, isn't mm-hmm. it? And mm-hmm. this is where you're probably gonna, yes. you're, you've probably experienced yeah. um, the question here that I'm gonna ask is that, a PhD, it's not strictly speaking, you're not a student, are you? No. So I know conventional um, thinking is that when you're doing a PhD, you are a PhD student. And yeah. that is mm-hmm. sort of the term that's used in universities as well. Mm. But when you're doing the PhD, you you start off feeling like a student because mm. you're learning how the lab works. You're learning how to do certain assays so that you can answer the questions that you want to answer. But certainly for me, by the end of first year, it was completely just, you know, me designing my own experiments, Mm. coming up with my own questions and troubleshooting by myself. There's a lot of support if you need it, but you always have to try and work it out yourself first before you move on. That worries me. It's like, it's not for me. Like, the, like, thinking and like creating your own experiments and going out there you that scares me that. <laughs> that is not for me you could it, not it's making me that. anxious just hearing about it you know that <laughs> like I've never been that type of I'm, I like to be like told what to do like a yes man and like do this yeah. do that but to be out there one it's amazing you're at the forefront of discovery mm. right and like some of the work you guys are doing HIV I did a HIV rotation and these drugs are amazing like we're kind of suppressing viral load to an undetectable level where that you can't pass it on anymore. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like forefront and it's you guys kind of doing the research. But it kind of overwhelms me to think you're... <laughs> it's all right, man. You can one <laughs> day do a PhD. Um, no. <laughs> um, so doing a PhD, right? So it's obviously now it's, it's turned into a job for you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So for some of our viewers who are, say, completing their bachelors, mm-hmm. And now they're thinking about a career. What are some of the reasons for going into becoming a PhDist? Um, so, if you during your bachelor's, if you find that there is a topic that you're super excited about, mm. that you know really makes you ask questions, then that means that you know you found something that you're truly interested in, mm. and it's worth pursuing. Um, what you might want to do before you go ahead and start applying for PhDs is talk to senior scientists and mm. ask them what is it like to do a PhD in this topic. Yeah. You know, is it easy? Um, the answer will always be no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there are certain viruses, for example, which are really, really hard to work with. Mm. Um, for example, you need specialist training for that. Um, Ebola, for example, mm-hmm. um, compared to HIV, which does need extensive training in a containment level three lab, but it's still, you know, yeah, doable. So you can work. never go Wait, near that. So you're okay. working with real live viruses? Unfortunately, yes. Whoa, yes. I'm taking this. a big risk. <laughs> I am. And you know what? The funny thing is, I don't think my mom has fully understood <laughs> what you're working the, with. The, the level of risk in what I do, Bro, um, which oh is why God. she hasn't panicked. <laughs> um, and I'm hoping that my mom doesn't understand the level of risk so in when what you graduate, I do until I'm done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Few more months to go, and then she can so get the full story. What is the goal after kind of the PhD? I know we're jumping ahead. Mm. Um, what does it lead to? So I think there's a fear. I think it's common among human nature. Mm. Is 
the fear of the unknown. So you don't want to do something and you don't know where it leads to. Mm-hmm. And mm. doing a PhD is three years, four years, right? Four years. Um, what can you do with it? Is it what are the career options? Okay, so I think the biggest thing to emphasize here is that a PhD is giving you a whole range of skills. Mm. Um, yes, you have all the lab skills that you learn, but most importantly, you learn so many soft skills mm-hmm. that you can then use in any career. So we have PhD students who completed their PhD, then went on to do accounting and finance, okay. working for massive firms. Um, we have some people who stayed in academia and are doing mm-hmm. research in HIV or have moved to do something completely different, but they are in academia. Yep. There are people who go into teaching. Mm. Um, there are You essentially can do whatever you want. After so a it's PhD, good. Awesome. it it's opens good up so that. many doors. Yeah. So the point of doing a PhD is to enjoy yourself and find and discover something new that you are interested in. You don't have to okay. do it thinking, I want this to lead to a specific career because it can lead to any career. You can yeah, decide yeah, what career absolutely. you want after you've done the PhD, mm. which Sounds has been awesome. really useful so for cool. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Misconceptions about PhD. Well, the first one is that we're students. We're not. <laughs> We're not students. If you compare the life of a PhD and the life of a postdoc, which is the mm. next step after your PhD, mm-hmm. they're essentially the same. Um, the only difference being that the PhD student has to complete their thesis mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of pressure on publishing your data, yeah. but not too much because in the UK, we don't have the requirement that you have to publish in order to pass. So you can get away with that, whereas there are lots of places such as America and South Africa where you have to publish first. Yeah, okay. Otherwise, you can't pass. Mm. Um, What else? Yeah, and then um, as a postdoc, all you need to think about 24/7 is getting enough data to publish in a high-impact journal. Yeah. So it's the same. I I don't feel much different to my postdoc sitting Mm. next to next to me. What about what about balancing life? So, for example, in medical school, we went through five six years of constant studying income was zero my mom and dad was on my case like when are you gonna bring in some income yeah how how do you manage such a heavy i would say it's doing a phd is clearly heavy you're designing research experiments and all of that how mm. do you manage life alongside that um what that's is a, life like that well, is what good is question. Life exactly that? what is life mm. um so it's really, really difficult to balance. I'm not going to mm. lie about that. And I think everyone needs to be aware. It's yeah. extremely difficult. But I think because you're not obliged to go to certain lectures and stuff mm. like that, you don't have that. You have a little bit of flexibility with your time. So you can decide. Because if you think about it, you're designing your own experiments. Yep. So you decide when is a good starting point. Do you have to start at nine or can you start at 11? And then how long is that experiment going to take? If it's going to take five hours, then, you know, you can you can start at a decent time, 10 o'clock yeah. and then finish at five is fine. Um, but there are other times when so all of last year I was in six days a week. I was mm-hmm. expected to come in seven days. But I think oh, that's gosh. when I had to take a stand and say, yeah. no, mm. that is not possible because I have commitments with my mm-hmm. family. You know, my family are very important to me mm. and I need at least one day where I can spend with them and you know take over the responsibilities i'm the eldest in my family mm, so mm. um i always make sure that i have time for my family mm. that's never been compromised and i think the biggest reason for that is because they are the ones who are supporting me the most mm-hmm. so i have to make so time great. for them okay yeah. so you kind of when you're talking about that it's so you're from a background right so you're asian you're female and it's 
not common for people of your background to mm-hmm. go into a PhD. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do bachelors, they do it, masters, yep. it's fine. PhD is like, whoa, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Kind of, obviously it's difficult for us to understand. Mm-hmm. So how is it from your viewpoint, you know, where your family supportive, what's mm-hmm. the general theme about mm. the community? Yeah. Is it, do, is it pro, do people like it? Do they advise against it? Kind mm-hmm. of, how is that? Um, that's a difficult one and I feel like I've been quite lucky in that sense because the only reason why I accepted this PhD when I was offered it is because I called my mom straight away and I said this is what has happened I don't know what to do mm-hmm. and she said why are you thinking twice go for it you oh, know awesome. go okay. for it what you know there is nothing to think about if they think you're worth it then you are worth it go for yeah. it so I've had that kind of support from my mom especially and my dad mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. but my mom has just sort of been there throughout the whole journey and kept me motivated. Mm. So, um, and my extended family are quite um, educated as well. So my cousins, um, they're engineers and stuff. Mm. So they understand the importance of education Mm -hmm. and they know me very well. Um, I'm the one of the only girls in my family from both mom and dad's side. Okay. okay. Um, So I'm pampered a lot, but Mm. also they respect me a lot because of my ambitions. Mm -hmm. And so when they heard that I'm doing a PhD, they, they were over the moon. They were like, yes, finally, oh, we're awesome. gonna have someone doing a doctorate. But then recently, I've been talking to a lot of people and it feels like that's not the norm at all. That's really not the norm. And first of all, girls mm-hmm. don't even know that a PhD is a career, it's a thing. Exactly, yeah. There is no awareness. <laughs> they don't know it's a thing, right? Secondly, the families don't know it's a thing. That is like, if mm. the girls don't even know, then the families are definitely not going to mm. know. So you need to raise awareness mm. about this. Yeah. Um, but even in the off chance that they do find out, or the girl says, oh yeah, I actually want to go into higher education mm. um, to PhD level, I think the family can be supportive, but it's the after effects. It's other people in society. Mm. They, It's really difficult because they they kind of they're very prejudiced towards us mm. they think that because we've gone into higher higher education and we're in a really intense career that we won't be able to balance our work life and our private life mm. um which is a massive min- misconception absolutely um and you know it's really hard to explain that to people who have it ingrained in their mind and the only people who can change that thinking is us mm, absolutely. so we need to show them that it's possible to have a family life and it's possible to have a really good career yeah. and lots of people forget that you can take breaks absolutely. women are allowed to take breaks and mm. then come back mm. yeah mm. that's an option in every career it might be a bit harder in some careers but i think science are starting science research is starting to acknowledge this and trying to make it a bit easier so there are grants out there for returning researchers yeah. which is for mothers Mm. who okay, left okay. and then came back so mm. yeah i think yeah yeah I, I hate the the notion that it exists in uh, the medical field as well where you Definitely. have to choose between career mm. or family mm-hmm. and you'll find that a lot of the the senior consultants near retirement they'll be like oh i i regret that i never chose my family but why is it that we can't do both mm. um Personally, I have the opinion that we've got time for anything that we want to make time for. Like you said about having time allocated for family only. Mm. You're making that time because that's a priority. Mm -hmm. You value that. Mm -hmm. Um, So similarly, for career, family, everything, it's about what you prioritise and what you have time for. And it's important Mm. to, I think, highlight that as you progress in your life, your priorities will change. Exactly. And you will adapt. Mm. It's not that just because I'm very career-focused right now, Mm. 
in the future I'm going to be just as career focused when other things happen in my life mm, you know exactly. I will yeah. pick and choose when the time comes but you have to give me the chance to mm. show you that that's possible absolutely, absolutely. and um, I hope that I will be able to show that in the future you know and other, my other fr- I've got so many friends now who are from a BAME background mm. and they are doing PhDs some of them are married and yeah, I'm awesome, like you awesome. girls are going to be role models yeah. awesome, for all awesome. those people with you you're leading the way you're we are leading the way and it's one of the main reasons why I wanted you to come on mm. to, to the podcast because I think it's it's nice to see a role model like yourself or someone kind of fighting off those those taboos mm. and misconceptions kind of doing it and showing girls out there that you can do this it isn't this thing that's only reserved for men not all scientists are men you can have a career of it and it doesn't mean you forsake everything else you can have a family um and you mentioned role models Mm -hmm. who are your role models who do you find inspiration from and what kind of inspires you yeah so um i can't possibly name one person yeah so um i think the first person who i want to name is actually the prophet's wife khadija Mm -hmm. she was a successful businesswoman Mm. she was better than all the men Mm -hmm. at the time Mm -hmm. right at her trade um, she was the perfect wife and she was such a good mum. Mm. So if she can do it, then why can't we? Absolutely. You yeah. know, so, yeah. you know, a lot of people need to think about that because a lot mm. of people give me re- religious reasons mm. which are completely baseless. Mm. Mm. And, you know, the first thing I do is throw Khadija's yeah, example that, to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, don't Absolutely. don't give me this rubbish, please. Mm. No. Um, second person who I get a lot of inspiration from is my mum. Mm. So currently she's a housewife, but she did work in the past, mm. um, and she w- she balanced her work life and her family life. She had us, mm-hmm. you know. Um, now she's uh, stopped working, so she's at home. She's a housewife, but she's happy mm. because she's done everything she wanted to do. Exactly. I think that's yeah. what another you know? key thing, isn't it? No, a lot of our guests and people have said mothers mm. are such a icon of inspiration she we need to have like an award ceremony for all the yeah, moms that's what, I, I think it's a good idea I would happily organise that honestly Man, without I, like, my mum all of like a few of our other guests they've said when we've said who's been your inspiration the mum the mum the mum the mum mm. that's really awesome to hear that's absolutely yeah. awesome to hear um, just uh, a thing to pick up on about what you uh, alluded to a little bit earlier on do you get any pushback from studying a PhD and still being a PhDist essentially as in criticism for doing that? No. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'll change that answer, yes. So, okay. um, I just remembered literally in a split second, there are some people who I I am very close to, mm-hmm. um, but I think, you know, when they make remarks, even when they think it's a joke, they will say things like, oh, it's been ages, you've been in education for too long, when are you gonna move on? Mm-hmm. Um, that can get to me sometimes especially yeah. when it's people who are really close to me yeah um and obviously at the time i don't say anything um i'll just laugh it off mm-hmm. but when you th- really think about it um it's almost as if they're saying you're wasting your time when are you mm. going to move on you know getting married is more important mm. but i don't feel that way absolutely no, you know no, all no, these no. things are as important as each other but i'm not wasting my time i'm doing what i enjoy Exactly, exactly. You know, so you need to enjoy your life. And I'm not doing it for free. I'm not just wasting exactly, time. Yeah, yeah. I am getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. This is my career. So, so that's another thing people need to understand. It's like PhD is in itself like a job, like a career. You are paid for a time. Um, if anything, it's probably like a super cool job because you're getting paid to discover something. You're like mm-hmm. an adventurer. I think people think education is like 
for a definitive amount of time and you do it and you're going to earn a, a super large sum of money at the end of the month and I think PhD is one of those things where you you're jobless for four years and you have no income and you're mm-hmm. surviving on some uh, yeah. pittance which yeah. I don't think is the case um, that that viewpoint must be more more common in the Southeast Asian population or is it also within the generic population would you say um, I think it's common in the BAME population mm. yeah that, that, that I've got a feeling because I think we're, we're really narrow-minded when it comes to the educational timeline. It's mm. it's school, secondary school, college. But BSc, then again, yeah, right, the yeah. funny thing is, yeah, when it comes to medicine, everyone's cool with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You want to yeah. be a doctor, you want 10 years down the drain, you want to live off the bank of mum and dad. Mm. That was Exactly, yeah. Cool, mm. go, go. Mm. We had no income. Do you know what I mean, <laughs> right? So it's like double standards and like, and still, at the end of you, you become like a qualified doctor as well, right? You're yeah, an academic exactly. doctor. Yeah, so it's not exactly, like... Exactly, yeah. So that's a fallacy. I don't know how, and I can't get my head around it, mm. um, which is a massive yeah. shame. Yeah. But th- that's why it's important, like you said, for yourself and like your, your other female colleagues as well, to actually light up the way, yeah. I think. Um, I went to a school, and I said this on another episode as mm. well, where one of the girls put their hand up and said, where are all the females? Because mm. the school has only been, been bringing in all males, doctors, engineers, lawyers, what have you. Mm. Um, and I think we really need that female engagement. We need females out there showing off their work, showing off their viewpoints, their stances, their careers, their jobs, their research, their discoveries, all of that out there so, we c- so they can also see the next gen. Mm. So they can have a different sort of um, viewpoint. Yeah of what it means to Absolutely. Be a I think another story similar to that mm. is um, a few months ago we had two work experience students, mm. um, both females mm. from East London. So they came, they were, you know, working in the lab and when we took them aside to have a chat with them, mm. the first question they asked was how did your family react when you told them you want to do a PhD? Mm. And do you think it's possible to have a family life? You know, if that's yeah, the first yeah, thing they're yeah. asking me rather than what are you working on? Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, yeah. it, you begin to worry, like, this mm, needs to change. Mm, and I think that really hit me. And um, a, a, another female colleague of mine had exactly the same experience. And she came to me and she was like, I don't know what to do. Is this normal? Yeah. Why are they asking me? And they're asking the Asian girls. Mm. Yeah, They're yeah, not asking yeah. the white scientists in the lab. They're asking us because they can see that we're doing it. So they just need reassurance that everything's going to be fine if they decide to take that career path. Exactly. Seeing is believing, so I think you just you, you have to just show them. Yes. You have to just show them. Yeah, I think, yeah that's it. You have to be Seeing out there. Believing. And um, I just don't think there's enough going on at the moment mm-hmm. for women, especially in STEM. Mm-hmm. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot for on social sure. media, yeah. but I think the people we need to target are a lot younger. So you mm. need to go to them face-to-face, have that discussion yeah. and show them. Um, I think you're right. I think the people that are exposed to STEM and there's loads of panels happening, they're to a certain degree already educated, mm-hmm. highly informed that exist. Mm-hmm. You're not penetrating to the inner aspects of societies and communities that are kind of not aware of this and it's a little too late for them to pursue a PhD or pursue a certain like HIV or virology. Mm-hmm despite that would have been a burning passion for them. Because mm-hmm. it's too late, right? Because mm-hmm. you miss the cohort in secondary school, college, and then they come to university, and then they're like, oh, wow, I wish I'd have done that. And it's a very difficult mm. kind of going back and redoing mm. it. Mm. So I think a problem lies, or one of the things you need to work on is penetrating society at the right level. Yeah. And that's, a, like exactly. you said, at a young age. Even yes. like primary school is like, girls, this yeah. is a career. This is what you can do. Look at all the cool things we're discovering. Mm-hmm. 
rather than them being in the right second year the bachelors yeah. and they're yeah. like oh wow PhD I wish I'd done that I wish someone came to my college and spoke to that mm-hmm. absolutely yeah no, p- p- ambition passion all of those things it needs to be nurtured from young it does it, it's not something that just I think magically maybe it does for a couple but it doesn't magically come at the age of like 19 oh no. I'm going to be a doctor now yeah um, and I think a lot of so yeah. girls need reassurance that it will yeah. be okay. You're allowed to have that mm. dream. You're allowed to follow that career path. Absolutely, yeah. And everything will be fine and you will be supported. Because I, f- I think some some students are actually, the barriers are within the family itself yeah. or within their misconception of how their family will react. Exactly, yeah. So you never know until you've tried, until you've spoken to your mum and dad. Just sit them down. Yeah. They're your parents. They love you. Exactly. Yeah. And if you explain to them that there is a certain career that will make you happy that you are really enthusiastic about, then they shouldn't say no, mm. eventually. Exactly. Yeah. So we've kind of talked about the PhD, what it entails, what, it, what is a day-to-day life? What's your, less the average week, mm-hmm. what is it? I don't think not a lot of people know. Mm-hmm. So kind of walk us through average week. Probably not breaking anything. Yeah, yeah. That's don't break that's anything. <laughs> they don't break anything. Listen, yeah. don't I even know HIV. the names. Yeah. Like, pipetting, centrifuge machine. I enjoyed it. It's quite good. I'm that nerd, Did right? Did you have any um, issues with the centrifuge machine? Um, Ever? He pressed no, the really. on button. Is there an on button on that? No, you're on it. You put the setting in. You're on it. Do you know what centrifuge is? I'm that. I used to watch it. Like, I used to watch things spinning and kind of. I actually cool. find it so sweet when the IBSC students come yeah. who have never had any experience with. Um, That's that door. Yeah, <laughs> they they stand there. And they watch it. When when you show them what a centrifuge is for the first time, and yeah. they literally are in awe. Yeah, that was me. Wow. And I'm standing there like, really? Can we just move on to the next step? <laughs> but do you know and what let it is? this yeah. spin. Is mm-hmm. doing a BSc right? So I did like a proper research lab BSc, mm. yeah, and it's like doing science in school again. Where like you're seeing like liquids come together and solids form or I'm creating like hyaluronic acid or whatever these acids are called. You put it in the oven, it turns into a gel or I'm injecting it. Like it's crazy. This is a like real life science and it's fun, man. Like I enjoy it a lot. It's just loads of hard work. <laughs> like, it's, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, I don't think you realise. I think people that do PhDs probably work harder, if not, than the medics and all these conventional degrees where it's like, oh my God, it's the hardest degree in the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I but it's proper that. science and it's proper fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah walk so us for a week. Just, just quickly. Yeah, go on. She is discovering yeah. new things in HIV, and you're sitting here talking about mixing the machines, pressing the <laughs> buttons, and putting samples together. Listen, today you is about can, having. Can we get I real experience? It. In in Abdul's defence, actually, <laughs> that me. is that is technically what we're doing. Exactly. Because you can't see the HIV that you're producing. Mm. It's all just pink liquid, okay, okay. and you have to believe that there's some virus there. Which you're going to infect your T cells with. Exactly. And then at the end of the week, you realise whether it was an actual infection or not when you do some analysis of the you're data. Not, you're not built like us. But We're built different. Hey, he's trying to sh- jump <laughs> ship right now. He's trying, Sit he's down. trying, you know. Um, okay, so a weekly update of mm. what life as a PhD is. So four of the five days, you have to attend some sort of meeting or a seminar. Okay. It's just, you know, compulsory. We have loads of lab meetings and essentially the point of that lab meeting is for each person to present whatever work they've done in a given amount of time since their last okay. lab meeting and for everyone to kind of critically analyse it. I stress critically. That must be rough. <coughs> it can be quite difficult. Rough, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you do that and then they give you other ideas. You know, in my 
most recent lab meeting, I went in with, because I'm near near the end, yeah. so I drafted my uh, one of my papers mm-hmm. and showed them as my figures and presented it in that way. So I went in with one story mm-hmm. and I came out with a completely different story. I'm publishing something complete, a complete different story to what I thought okay. I was going to publish. <laughs> yeah. So that happens a lot. So, you, you know, doing a PhD, you have to be very adaptable. Mm-hmm. Things are always so dynamic. You never know what you'll be doing the next day because okay. you make a discovery just like that mm. within mm-hmm. a second mm-hmm. and then you everything changes so yeah so you do these lab meetings they usually happen in, happen in the morning and then lab work starts you go into the lab and you work for however long your experiment requires you to work yeah. then you come out so essentially I'm always working in a containment level three lab which is isolated you need specialist yeah. training you need to be in the whole gear Oh, I hope your mom is listening to the podcast. <laughs> I hope <Okay>. not. <laughs> I hope my mother, brother and sister don't relay this message. But yes, um, you're in the whole suit. So today I did something called VSVG pseudotyping, which means that the HIV virus that I produced is able to infect any cell in oh, your body, wow. not not just your T cells or your dendritic cells, which are deep inside. Oh my God, so okay. they can infect your skin cells. That's what I was going to say, skin so cells yeah, included. Okay. So yeah, you have to be you know extra cautious. You wear the jumpsuit. Yeah. So I was doing that, and for that you're also isolated in a separate room within the isolated room. I would quit my PhD at that stage. Do you know what? I'm not going to lie. I had no idea what I was signing up for. I said yes to this PhD. I started in my first week, and the first six months I was working on an easy project, you know, which I'm going to publish soon, hopefully. And then um, when the real project started, Mm. my supervisor's like, oh yeah, so you, you need to get some training on VSVG. And I'm like, what's that? And then she explained it to me and I just sat there thinking, oh my God, what have I signed up for? Am <laughs> so I going, how I'm do you really... feel? Like what goes through you? I imagine you're a bit normalised, right? Mm. But like, how do you, like what's what's going through your head? You're working with a live virus, but that can infect anything. Mm-hmm. And you know what? This, it's not like a normal virus, right? This is a virus that has caused devastating effects. Like people have died because mm. of this mm-hmm. virus, right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking like it's, it's a flu, right? Exactly, yeah. This is HIV, like a lot of people have died. Even in our clinics, a lot of people are still suffering because of it. Mm. And it's not something we can totally we cure. We can't cure, yeah. Right? Yeah. So like, what's going through your head? So in the initial days, I was so scared. I was every, so yeah. we get extensive training. So you're never left alone at the beginning. But during those days, I was so worried that I'm going to make, like, spill something. That's what I mean, yeah. Or, you know, something will break and then I'll have HIV exposed <laughs> in the lab. That's really, really scary. But then at the same time, um, I, th- I just thought, you know, if this is what I've signed up for, it's a challenge. I'm going to do it because I know I'm a responsible person yeah. and I can be, I can be cl- clumsy at times, but mostly in the lab I'm okay mm. so you know we have double gloves we've got the whole protect PPI so yeah. I just thought you know whatever's meant to happen will happen, will happen. let me just go for it yeah. and do so it so it's good I like your attitude and um, like you got this gun hole like I'm gonna give it a shot I'm gonna give it my all mm. I don't care what people say I don't care about society misconceptions mm. like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna be a role mm. model and I'm gonna kind of level the playing field I'm gonna show what it's all about mm. I think you need to have that mindset especially when you're doing a PhD because it's not like a degree or a master it's constant high paced work for four years straight we did yep. it for a year right mm-hmm. and that's enough to kind of overwhelm you but mm-hmm. for doing it four years and it's not all glory days right like, no so t- how are the bad days the really crappy days what does that feel like when experiments yeah. fails and these experiments mm. it's not like a minute experiment these are yeah. like mm-hmm. hours on end bro mm. like kind it of takes talk a whole week that. at least 
to complete one experiment. Mm. And when at the end of the week you analyze the data and you see that it hasn't worked, mm. it just, you know, so many times I've just felt like I just need to quit. This, this mm. experiment is just never going to work, mm. but I keep trying it. I keep trying it over and over and over again. I will tell you about one experiment in particular, mm. which literally had me in shambles. Mm. Okay. So um, the, this experiment was to do some mutating. So you had to mutate the gene of um, the HIV envelope. Yeah. And I had to basically just insert one little um, base which is ACTG mm-hmm. in the DNA. Yep, so yep. I just had to insert like a T or something into the DNA so that I could make a mutation in mm. HIV. And it just didn't want to work. I tried for six months yeah. and literally at, every, at the end of every month, I would say to my supervisor, can we just move on? I don't think this is gonna work. Let's just do something yeah, else. Yeah. And she was persistent. She was like, no, carry on optimizing and it will work one day. So you've been doing this for six months by I the time. I did it for six months and eventually imagine the day when it actually worked. And I got the sequencing back and the T was there. Yeah. And I was I, just, I, just like, out of this is my geek mode turning yeah, on now. Go. How are you inserting the um the T? So it's using a technique called uh, polymerase chain reaction, yeah, PCR. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you design some primers, yep. which are just short, yeah, um, yeah. short lengths of DNA, mm-hmm. um, which have your mutation in it. All right. So you, most of it is exactly the same as the DNA of the HIV, yep. with that extra T, and yep, then yep, the rest okay. of it is exactly the same as the DNA. Okay. Yeah. So then you mix that with your DNA, which is your template, mm-hmm. and then you put it into the PCR machine at certain um, conditions. Yeah. And eventually. During that PCR cycle, you yeah. should have one strand of DNA that's mutated and one that's the normal one. Yeah, yeah. So after that PCR happens, you add an enzyme which chews up and destroys the template, so the yeah. original strand. Mm-hmm. And then what you're left with is the mutated strand, which you then put into some bacteria. The bacteria yeah. will make up lots of that DNA. You extract that DNA then you sequence it and see whether the T is there see, or This not. was all abstract in the books at yeah. A-levels yes. and all that. And so you're actually you're sitting in front it. of me telling yes. me you're you're changing DNA. Oh, yeah. wow. It's amazing, the concept. So oh, who, like, wow. You know, my, you know my, the yeah. one question I had was like, who comes up with this stuff? Who is the first person to kind of find it? Who is the first yeah. person to like, wow. Scientists. Oh yeah. That's, it, that's the simple that answer, right? Someone. Crazy. I say someone, I should probably know who it is. Yeah. I'll let you know in the comments. <laughs> um, a scientist, a very clever scientist mm-hmm. back in the day must have come up with this idea of doing a PCR reaction. A lot of science comes comes up by accident, can I just I've say. Heard. It does. Even, yeah, yeah. even the project, my most high impact project that I'm working on right mm-hmm. now, which will go out into, I think, one of the better journals out of the three, oh, awesome. mm-hmm. um, happened by mistake. Wow. I was working on a different protein. Mm. And when I was making the protein, I used a different protein by accident. Mm -hmm. So I transfected the cells with a slightly different restriction factor, which is an antiviral protein. Okay. And that's when I like suddenly saw this phenotype at the end, uh, at the end of that week. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, this doesn't make sense. What have I done? Then I went back to check my box, which has all my plasmids in it. Yeah. And turns out I done a completely different restriction factor but I discovered something amazing so how, how oh. what's that feeling discovering something new? <laughs> when's the last time you discovered <laughs> yeah. something <That's> <laughs> yeah? just stop challenging me yeah, yeah. how does Challenge that yourself <laughs> yeah like that it's, must be awesome like unreal like, I won't lie yeah. it's unreal and you know that because that happened very late during my PhD mm. it was 
so satisfying, so rewarding. Mm. Finally, yeah. after what two years of like yeah. you know just repeating boring experiments at yeah. the beginning, <laughs> and then finally finding something completely, you know, without any supervision. <laughs> wow. You know, it just happened. That is cool. But then that again, yeah, cool. you just reminded me. Oh, my life is just full of funny stories, man. I, I was going to talk about this. Is I it tell the, the day when you, your ones flopped? Yeah. So, <laughs> when Abdul, right, when he goes to real hard times, I'm his bereavement counsellor. So, I was in placement somewhere. No, I was in my BSc, yeah. So, I was at Imperial and he called me up one day and he was crying over the phone telling me how he sold for a couple of weeks. She did yeah. it for six months. Yeah. Yeah, just for a couple of weeks. He was like, they died, they didn't work, <laughs> they didn't mix properly, what do I do? Oh, yeah. my God. But, that's what it's but <laughs> another thing is yeah it's like um this world of science is cutthroat right yes. and i will tell you yeah. i got in trouble i always get in trouble that's my baseline <laughs> um what happened because i was so i was in a project like i mentioned before like creating this injectable cartilage or the scaffold sorry so one of the other supervisors he came to me and he said, yo, you're working on really cool stuff. I've seen your work. I've seen your progress. Why don't you come with me and present at a conference, right? And he did this one thing where he's like, don't worry about it. I've run it by a supervisor. She's happy with it. Let's go do it. So I was creating this this presentation. This is the first time I'm doing science, this degree is mm-hmm. type of science, right? And I'm kind of outlining my methodology. I'm outlining that proper nitty gritty details. Bearing in mind, I'm doing a very small sub aspect of a very larger project, mm-hmm. right? And I'm doing, I'm rehearsing with him and I'm kind of telling him like the, the golden recipe to creating mm. this injectable scaffold. And I'm like, yeah, my boss told me it's cool. And then on the day of the presentation, or a week before the presentation, I'm like, to my supervisor, yo, I feel a bit anxious. Let me run the presentation by you. She saw my presentation. I know where this is going. And then she just saw it and she just went ballistic at me bro she was like how dare you you're giving it away this is once, my work <laughs> it? she's like once you publish it we can't publish it again and you know me bro i don't care i be a c student coming yeah. along and publishing and she looks after me you know i'm like them spoke kids right i was always a sports student and she kind of looks after me and i was like a baby i went to the wall and i start banging my head against the wall because she's like how dare you do this and then she's like pull out of the conference and at that time, you, you're, you're zealous, right? You're third year medic, you want to publish, you want to do a post presentation, it's oral mm. presentation, it's cool. Yeah. And I'm like, this is my one opportunity, right? That's the whole mm. point of BSc, right? And I was like, mad. And I was proper scared. I thought I'm going to get kicked out. What does this mean? You're there asking for support. Bro, and it's not that. The, she And she wasn't annoyed by that, yeah? She's like, yeah, I know you're zealous, you're cool. It's like, supervisors are out here taking each other's ideas publishing it yes. nicking each other's grants so it's, give us the lowdown is this true is tell us about it it's a crazy crazy world especially in hiv research it's mm. one of the most well-funded infectious mm-hmm. diseases right um and my goodness i can't even i don't even know where to start so there are cases where you go to a conference and <laughs> my supervisor last year told me specifically do not mention the word X, Y, Z. I won't say it now. Um, oh, you're not even allowed to say it on the podcast. Bro, trust all me, right, it's right. crazy. <laughs> Don't even mention that word mm-hmm. until we're ready to publish, which is nowhere near now mm. at the uh, time. Okay, okay. Yeah? So I had to go in there and talk about something completely different, like one of my other chapters in my yeah. thesis that I'm not too interested in. But, yeah. you know, um, so this is a conference in New York that I went to last mm. year. And um, I did a poster presentation that year. 
and I was talking, you know, I had my poster. I forgot to put a title on my poster. Can you believe it? Oh my it? God. I know. It's one of the, <laughs> okay. it's literally up there when it comes to conferences. Yeah. If you work in HIV and yeah. you don't go to this conference, then, you know, what are you doing? Yeah, okay. It's one of those ones. And um, I didn't even realise that the title wasn't there until I got there and I put it up yeah. and I didn't realise another supervisor from King's came to me and was like, Fima, what's the title of your poster? And I was like, it's on the poster. And then I turned around and I was like, oh no. Did it just have the authors? It just, did it have my name on it? Yeah, it had, had all had the authors. It. it just had my name. Maybe like, you, you know, the, the title. <laughs> and, then, um, and then what happened? And then he was like, you know what, chill. Just tell them it was your strategy to um, attract speakers. You know, okay. <laughs> so they come and ask you what the title is, and then you can start describing yeah. your data. But then, um, not many people realise, thank God. And um, I got a lot of attention. And can I just say that conference? We'll talk about it in a bit. Mm. But um, conferences are intense, especially when you're a scientist and yeah. you have stuff to sh- present. Yeah. Because people sometimes just lurk. Yeah. They look at your data. They take out the main points without talking to you. Mm-hmm. And then they can go and they can start doing their exactly. work. Exactly. They can as in, as in replicate the research to... It's a race against time, isn't it? Everyone's Absolutely. racing towards the same goals. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And, That's um, interesting. It's especially hard when you're working on a hot topic yeah. in yeah. science. So currently restriction factors in HIV are very mm-hmm. hot. And I ended up working on it. So I had to be super cautious mm-hmm. about that. Um, but yeah, competition is so fierce. Sometimes I really wonder if I'm made for it because mm. you have to be on top of the literature. Yeah. all the time I'm really lucky that my supervisor is the kind of person who stays on top of it for us so mm. when every time and my postdocs as well they're mm-hmm. amazing I'm in an amazing lab and they do treat me like a baby mm-hmm. I am the baby of the lab <laughs> okay. I'm the youngest in the entire department mm-hmm. doing a PhD and basically they um, anytime a cool paper comes out I get that email straight away Good. and then I can read it or save it and mm-hmm. read it later but I kind of have to read it because I know my supervisor is going to come out yeah. the next day and say, oh, did you read the paper? Did you see that figure? And you have to know what you're talking about. In in the world of science, are people publishing so that people can use it to better their research? Or are people publishing because I've discovered something? What's the, what's the reasoning the for second. publishing? So okay. the reason is more so to show people that I've discovered something. Ah, okay. You do what you want with this information, but this is what I've discovered, discovered and this okay. is going to be interesting for... Us and this this is the clinical implication. I see. So you wouldn't put discovery. out thing, findings early just to share with your neighbours. No. Because they would. It's be, like a proper okay. secretive world, and yeah, like the way she was explaining to me, it's like you may have cracked a certain methodology, you may have cracked how to do something, mm-hmm. and then you've done all that hard work mm-hmm. before you even get to publish it. He's gonna nick it. It's such a crude term, and then he'll add something on, and then mm-hmm. I think it's, that's the thing about science, discovery. right? It's like because yeah. you lot are focused on discovery. You always remember the first person, right? Yes. X, Y, and Z discovered mm. this, or Tafima discovered this, or, mm. and that's what you're known for. And it's like, you would have thought science is very progressive and we're such a teamwork, like a but when it comes down yeah. to it, yeah, it's probably more cutthroat than politics. And so you mm-hmm. have to be built differently and you have to have that mindset. Yeah. It's and something you develop over time. I've developed it over time. Mm. Um, I don't think I'm fully there yet, but mm. hopefully I'll be time. there. And do you feel like attacked sometimes? And you mentioned like critique. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're like, they're ruthless, man. They'll critique everything mm-hmm. and it will, it will feel like, wow. Yeah. So there are certain conferences like the one that I mm. went to where if you're doing an oral presentation mm-hmm. where you have, you know, your PowerPoint slides, I think they c- the audience, because these are researchers from, what, 50, 60 years ago who have uh, been working on HIV yeah. for that long, who know it inside out, who know all the controversial issues, 
surrounding yeah. different topics in HIV. Mm-hmm. You have to be so careful with your words. And I'm dreading it because I've submitted an abstract for it. <laughs> so I think I might actually be doing it next in May. And, you know, you have to be a different kind of person to be able to deal with that kind of criticism. Um, but equally, it's really nice when you get the praise as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, especially so, yeah. when you're a junior scientist who is mm. going out in front of these senior, senior, senior mm-hmm. scientists. So that's quite cool. And it's like, that's a real accomplishment to stand yeah. in front of. And you're presenting the, work that's at the yeah. forefront, right? And we're juniors, and I think any specialty, especially like these, being a junior is always daunting when mm-hmm. you're in front of these seniors, and it's like they know everything. Yeah, exactly. And what am yeah. I going to add to they it? They can ask you any question yeah. in the world, and then you're like, you're stuck. But mm-hmm. then when you do really well and you get the praise and you get acknowledged, mm-hmm. that feels good. And I think it's what you need that keeps you going, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. These I'm the kind of person who needs praise mm-hmm. to carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, I need criticism so that I know what to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I need the praise every now and then. And that's something that, you know, if you're doing a PhD, you need you need to make it um, obvious to your mm-hmm. supervisor at the, near the beginning. Mm-hmm. So yeah. my supervisor knows that I'm the kind of person who gets motivated by praise rather mm-hmm. than being put under pressure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she knows that I'll literally have a breakdown if I'm put under pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were recently talking about who's going to be on my viva, so who's going to do my examination at the end. Mm. And... Um, as a joke, she mentioned one scientist, and I was like, "Are you mad? I'm going to start crying." Yeah. That and it's it. A vibe I usually lasts like three hours. So yeah. I can't deal with that. I can't have mm. this scientist sitting in front of me and just asking me questions for three hours. Yeah. And then she started laughing. She goes, "I know you. I would never do that to you, but I'm suggesting this other person from King." So I said, mm. "Okay, yeah, that that might be fine." She goes, "You won't cry if he asks you questions. I yeah. think you'll be fine." Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's good. I think it's you good though. Awesome. I think we highlighted understanding how you as an individual how you work and how you can pivot and leverage your skill set and mm-hmm. your assets to kind of do the to do well mm. and at times it's only because you're doing a phd you've kind of found this new inner self this new yes. safima yes who you would have never known mm-hmm. if you left at a bachelor's and went off to work in a big city firm yeah. and you know mm-hmm. went off to mm-hmm. do your life right mm-hmm. um so that is the gems and the perks of doing this unknown route of something that yeah. isn't the conventional you really I would highly, highly recommend a PhD purely on the basis that you learn so much about yourself. So this PhD journey has not been easy for me. I can imagine. It's not been easy for anyone who's ever done a PhD unless, you know, you were super lucky Mm. and you discovered something right at the beginning and then, you Mm. know, you're a big shot, (laughs) which is so rare. It doesn't happen. It has not been an easy journey at all. And um, I think... One thing to take away from it is you may not discover something huge, but you will discover something. Mm, yeah. And that should be enough for you, right? And um, and yeah, so I think it, you need to constantly remind yourself that the biggest takeaway from the PhD is not the qualification. I don't think the qualification yeah. is the biggest thing for me. I think the fact that I have grown so much as a person mm-hmm. is the most important thing. And I don't think I would have grown the same way I have if I had done something else. Mm-hmm. If I had done uh, medicine instead, mm-hmm. for example, I don't think I would have grown the same way because I feel like I would have been dependent still mm-hmm. on, you know, my lecturers and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's something to really consider. And it's interesting because in one of your episodes, you did the pers- you talked about the personality test. Mm-hmm. So when I was at Queen Mary... I was an INFJ, so I was an introvert. Okay. Yeah. And then I forgot about that test. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. I knew yeah. I was an introvert. I don't 
Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't socialize yeah. very easily. But then it came up again when I was doing my master's mm. at the end. And this is the sort of transition phase from my master's to my PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it at that point and still I was an INFJ. So I was like, cool, I'm just never going to change. Yeah. This is me. Mm. And then suddenly in the middle of my PhD, I did it again and I became an ENFJ. Mm. Ah, I I changed from an introvert to an extrovert Mm. and I don't I felt that change I personally have felt that change I knew that happened but then I sat down and I realized that it's because of all the skills I've learned during my PhD all those soft skills perseverance yeah time management social you have to be able to network if you if you want to be a successful scientist Mm. you need to be able to build collaborations right so all these skills that I learned during the PhD have actually changed my personality slightly yeah. So my v- morals and values have stayed the same, but the way I portray myself is very different. Is quite different. Mm. And so that's quite cool. cool. Yeah. So cool. it's kind of changed you as in terms of personality-wise. Mm. So it's good to show how powerful it is. Yeah, it's mm. a very powerful tool. And it kind of tool. changes your course of life. That's so. That's another thing I think is quite interesting because. Um, when I started the PhD, I was obviously really excited about mm-hmm. the science behind yeah. things. Mm-hmm. And that's why I chose to do, you know, science research instead of going into medicine and stuff like that. So, but eventually, as I got towards the second end of second year, mm-hmm. I started to feel like I'm not in the right career. Mm. Um, I started to feel quite demotivated. And the problem with the work I was doing is that it's not translational. Mm. So it's very much just molecular virology, which is interesting. But I started to feel selfish. I know it's probably not mm. the right way to think, but I started feeling selfish. Like I'm doing this PhD and all this research and all this effort I'm putting in just because I want to find something interesting. But that yeah. interesting thing is not helping anyone else. Mm, so I, I went back and I thought, why did I want to be a doctor to begin with? Mm. You know, it was because I wanted to help people. It's because I wanted to use my skills mm. and, you know, the attributes that I have to make the world yeah. a better place. Mm-hmm. But right now, the kind of research I'm doing is not that. It's mm-hmm. not what I want to do in the future. So again, that's another thing about self-development. You take a step back and you think about what is important to you. And for me, I realized in the second year of my PhD that doing science in terms of molecular virology and things like that is not is not in line with my actual passion Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. not in line with what i want to be doing in the future Mm -hmm. just because it's not translating into anything to help people i see Mm. i see and that's when i started looking for other ways Mm. of you know fulfilling that Mm. aspect and that kind of nicely brings us on to ma yeah so tell us that how did you get involved what's your role in ma Mm yeah, so um, Ma came out of nowhere. I make lots of rash decisions when it <laughs> comes to um, not my personal life, but professional life for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So I decided to join Ma last year, which was basically the beginning of my final year of the PhD. Yeah. It's literally the worst time <laughs> to do extracurricular things. I don't know mm. why I didn't do this in the first two years, but again, it goes back to this whole idea of um, discovering yourself. Exactly, mm. development. Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, essentially I saw one of my friends um, put on Instagram that she was in Bangladesh on mm. um, on a short trip as an elective and um, I kind of followed her through that journey and it was a really emotional thing for me. I remember I was actually at someone else's house mm-hmm. and I watched one of her videos where she was literally crying because of the state of the healthcare system mm. there mm. and um, 
the fact because I know her very well I know she wasn't making it up mm. it was pure emotion yeah. and I started crying wow. and that led to an entire discussion in the living room between me my mum my aunt and the other women in there about the state of the healthcare system in Bangladesh yeah. and how bad it is and how much it needs to change Absolutely. so um, yeah it was a really nice conversation to have because you know our parents were involved mm. you know you don't usually talk science and healthcare with your parents right yeah, it's just yeah. not a normal discussion to have but that was the first time I had it and then that's when I decided you know I want to do something yeah. to help mm. um, I thought I have really good skills that I've developed during my PhD which can potentially you know help people especially mothers um, and I'm all about women empowerment like we've already discussed mm. and I you know I think I can use my skill set as a scientist to empower women in the context of health. Yeah. So that was the reason why I started looking for um, charities which are dedicated to maternal and child health. Mm -hmm. And Ma was one of the first hits mm -hmm. in Google mm -hmm. when I did that. So um, initially I just went on Twitter and sent them a message saying, do you guys only take medical students or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, are you open to other, other professions? Mm. And then um, it just happened by luck that the advertisement for the a &I officer, ac Academics and mm. Innovations Officer, came out at that point. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this is a sign. I just, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm just not, <laughs> I'm not gonna wait for the reply on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and apply and see what happens. Mm -hmm. So I applied and yeah, um, they asked me to come in for an interview. Yeah. I did the interview and it was, a, it was such a cool interview. It's the best mm. interview I've ever done. Mm. So fun. Mm -hmm. um, we talked a lot about lots of different things mm -hmm. in healthcare. And then, um, yeah, so I joined just as an officer and when I joined it was a really good time to join because obviously I'm going in with the mindset of a researcher mm -hmm. I want to do research I want to use my skills mm -hmm. to improve the work that Ma is doing mm -hmm. right yeah. so I made that very clear in my inter interview and then I was told about a research project that they're planning to do mm -hmm. and it sounded awesome I was so excited so then um, I got involved in that specific project and currently I'm the project lead, so I'm wow, leading cool. the research aspect of those things and there's other people doing the implementation. And I just, I think it's such an amazing opportunity. So and direct so translation fun. for impact now. Absolutely, which is, so which is exactly what I was looking for. Exactly. Yeah, and mm. I think, but the, the funny thing is, it's, it's only because you went out and did this PhD, it's only, and mm. I'm sure they picked you because of your merit, because of the skill asset you had, you mm -hmm. only developed some PhD, mm -hmm that now you have opportunity to fulfill something you're doing. And you know, some of the work Mars and you're helping thousands of others. Mm. And you are primed in that position to do it. So um, it's that thing, you know, what Abdul said in a previous episode about initially saying yes to lots of different opportunities. Because you don't know what will lead from one opportunity and how it goes on to better, more fruitful things in the future. Mm. And it's not all about short-term gain. It's what you can do in the long term. And if you're someone that wants to have an impact, leave a legacy, then obviously this is definitely the, you know, the route to take. Yeah. Um, we've talked so much and I'm conscious, yeah. you, you know, you've got loads of experiments. Um, a nice way to kind of wrap it up and I think more so important for you is advice you'd like to give to young girls because you have loads of young listeners that want to do medicine, that want to do science. You know, when AMS goes to schools and he meets these, what advice would you give them? So the biggest advice is start exploring from when you're very young. You know, there is nothing wrong with Googling 
what kinds of careers are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to people. I know sometimes it can be hard, but you know, people like us, we're trying to make it a bit easier for you to um, approach professionals or early career scientists mm-hmm. and doctors, etc. So try try and talk to people. Look out for opportunities where you can meet these people, and um, don't be scared. Always have conversations with your family, for example, because they are the most important. Mm. Um, yeah, talk to them. Explain why you want to pursue a certain career, and hopefully um, they will support you. I think your family are the most important support system for you. Um, so yeah, don't be afraid of breaking barriers because mm. that's what we're here to do. We need to break the barriers and we need to make it normal for women to be in careers such as STEM, such as architecture, such as finance. Mm. You know, you don't just have to stick to being a teacher if you don't want to. Mm. Sorry, I think that's a, my sister. <laughs> that my, was yeah. so blunt, but my, so honest. I know, we love it. it, it <laughs> that's me. what Scrubbing is about. Yeah. yeah, because you know what? If you're passionate about teaching, then go ahead and do it. My sister, she's super passionate about mm. teaching. She's done an MSc in um, special educational mm. needs. Mm. That shows that she truly enjoys what she yeah, does, yeah, right? Yeah. So that's fine for her. But there are other girls who are pushed into a career yeah, into of that, teaching yeah. because apparently it's easier. Mm. And to be fair, it's easier in what regards? for family life right yeah. to have kids yeah. and looking after extended family mm-hmm. um and i'd say it's stressful man I, i've got a mate who's a teacher it is stressful absolutely it's, stressful. it's, it's just it's as stressful not, as yeah. any other career it's so i don't know easy. what they're thinking yeah. when they say it's easy but um yes to all those young girls go out there explore when you find that one subject that you are truly interested in go ahead and apply for those types of jobs mm. don't let anyone stop you mm you will learn along the way how to balance your life. Mm. That will happen 100%, I guarantee you. You will learn to adapt and you will be successful if you take that chance and go for it. There you go, you've heard it from the person leading the way. I don't think we have to say anything to that. I don't think we need to say it. And on that note, a massive thank you to FEMA for kind of taking time out and kind of doing justice. I think it's a start. Hopefully we can push forward like you said, I think that the theme of this whole thing is breaking barriers. Um, and let's see what the future holds. I'm excited. I want to find out about all your discoveries. Um, and it's nice. It was nice for me because I've dealt with the other side of HIV and I know how important your work is and how important the hours spent in the labs are. Um, and a massive thank you to all our listeners who kind of tune in week, to, you know, week in, week out. Um, we've got loads of more exciting things coming up. Let us know what you want to hear, recommendations, other guests, um, and we'll see. But I think it's a nice time to wrap up today's episode. That's it, otherwise. Today's, today's dedicated to all the, all the women out there. We're going to call this episode yeah. Females or Leading Women Inside. I think it's fair. Nice. Yeah? Do you agree to female? I agree. It's going to be called Leading Women Inside. Awesome. All right. Otherwise, see you next week then. Take care, guys. <laughs>